Welcome to From Armor to Ease, an Enneagram podcast exploring how we return to our freest selves beneath the armor we carry. I'm your host, Chichi Agoram, writer, Enneagram teacher and practitioner, author of the book, The Enneagram for Black Liberation, which is available for purchase everywhere, and a lifelong learner of what it means to be fully human. I'm so glad you're here. Y'all, this podcast has been a long time coming for me, and I can't believe we're actually here. I didn't want to do it for a long time because, you know, every millennial thinks they have something to say and has a podcast now. And let's be real, a lot of people should get their microphone privileges revoked, but I'm really thankful that I got over myself and decided to make the show because it's already been such a gift to me. I get to have conversations that make me feel tingly and excited and curious and energized and more awake and more compassionate. Truthfully, the only kinds of conversations I want to be a part of. So I'm really glad that you're here. From Armor to Ease is an interview style podcast. So this is the only time for the next few months that you'll be hearing from just me on here. So I wanted to set us up for what this first season of conversations will look like. Each week, I'll be joined by a new guest and the conversations will alternate between armor-specific episodes and then what I'm calling expert episodes. For our armor-specific episodes, you'll hear from someone who identifies with that armor about how it impacts their relationship to intimacy. And then for the expert episodes, you'll hear from a wide variety of people who have wisdom to share around the topic of intimacy. On this season in particular, that includes a therapist talking about attachment, a writer sharing about the intimacy of joy, a researcher sharing about sex and the Enneagram types, and so much more. I want this to be as accessible and relatable to as many people outside the Enneagram world as possible. Some of you who might already know of me probably found me through my Enneagram work. Maybe you've read my book, which if you have, thank you. Or maybe you've attended a course that I've taught or been a part of. Um, Maybe you've been a part of my At Ease cohorts for Black women. Either way, based on the evidence, based on that list I (laughs) I just made, you might think I'm very obsessed with the Enneagram. But in reality, I don't really love talking about the Enneagram. You know, so much of what we've done with it collectively is turn it into another set of reductionist boxes, or we've become so hyper-focused on talking about it as a concept, but not really utilizing it as an embodied tool for transformation. If you've listened to any of the conversations where I'm the one being interviewed, you might have heard me say that I'm not really passionate about the Enneagram. I'm passionate about what it can help us do, how it can help us get free. I'm passionate about ease and liberation and joy. And to get to those things, we have to consider the barriers that keep us away from the ease and the liberation and the joy that we desire. So that's where the idea for this podcast came from. And while the tagline says this is an Enneagram podcast, Only half of the episodes will really be about specific Enneagram types. And even in those episodes, 
We'll be exploring more about how the story or armor of type impacts the relationship to intimacy. So basically, this is what I'm trying to say. I said all that to say, this isn't a podcast where we nerd out about the Enneagram. This is a podcast where we nerd out about what it means to be fully human and fully loved and all the things that get in the way. Okay, so a little bit on how I approach the Enneagram. I write and teach about the Enneagram as armor, nine different forms of armor that we use to navigate the world and to protect ourselves from both real and imagined threats. Our armor is necessary for protection in a world that is unjust and often unsafe. But what happens when we carry the armor around for so long that we forget who we are without it? We start to confuse the fullness of who we are with these survival strategies that we use every day. And eventually, all I come to know of myself is just my survival strategies. I really do believe that how we do one thing is how we do everything. In fact, that was the original tagline of this podcast. So what tends to happen is that the more unconsciously armored we are towards the outside world, the more unconsciously armored we become towards ourselves. We become so identified with the singular story of our armor that in spaces where we actually don't need to be armored, in spaces where care and love and ease is being offered to us, we don't know how to let it in. When I do Enneagram work with Black women, the overwhelming majority of us have a hard time identifying and naming who we are outside of our armor or outside of our survival strategies. We can name the armor, but we don't know what's left behind when we set the armor down. When we think about you know, the need to armor up, we often think about external threats, things we're protecting ourselves from on the outside, but we hold ourselves to the same limiting beliefs internally. I become the one punishing myself and rejecting myself internally Even when I'm alone, the story of my armor becomes the only way I know how to relate to myself. And if that's the only story that's true, then how do I experience ease or care? How do I experience freedom? The nine different stories of who we believe we have to be be okay, which is what I mean by armor, and sometimes I'll refer to it as a singular story, All of those stories tell us that we have to distance ourselves from the parts of us that don't fit the story. We have to avoid and destroy the parts of us that our armor sees as a threat to our survival. But if I'm constantly at war within myself, right? Destroying parts of myself just to maintain my story of survival, just to keep up my armor, how can I be free or at ease? So what I want to invite you into is exploring the ways in which we armor up for survival and how that armoring up can sometimes keep us from the things that help us become free and at ease. And please hear me say that our armor is necessary. Our armor is not bad. It is not something that we need to get rid of. I wish we could get rid of, right? But we live in a world in which we still need armor on a regular basis, especially for those of us who hold marginalized identities. So it's not about saying the armor is bad. It's about creating enough space so that I am able to recognize what is me and then what's this 
survival strategy. What is me and what is the armor? And within that space, I have greater access to choice, to be able to choose how I want to show up, how I want to respond, and when I can put the armor down. Each season of the podcast will have a different theme that we explore related to our armor. And in season one, we're diving deep into intimacy in all of its forms. I have so many incredible guests that I can't wait for you to hear from this season. The conversations are so good and so juicy and honest and rich. And unfortunately, I'm a person who believes in leading by example and going first. So since I'm asking these incredible humans to get intimate with me on here, I figured I'd let you into some of my intimate parts to start us off. I should have poured myself a shot of whiskey. Oh, well, here we go. (laughs) So we're talking about intimacy in season one. And intimacy to me means being known fully. It means um, a close-up view of a person, who they really are, not just who you think they are, but the fullness of the humanity of the person up close. The parts that are astonishing and beautiful and breathtaking and inspiring and the parts that are ordinary and messy and frustrating. Being with all of that, seeing all of that up close is intimacy to me. I think there's also a part of intimacy that evokes care. So it's not just like a detached observation of a person from a distance or just gathering information, but there's also like a closeness and care involved. Like I'm not just gathering data about you. I am also holding all of those parts about you with care. So because this is how I think of intimacy and how I define it, it is very scary to me because my armor says that I am only deserving of love based on how well I hide the parts of myself that are messy and ordinary and not enough. If I can show you the parts of myself that are shiny and enough and interesting, then you'll stay and you'll love me. Then I'm deserving of attention and care. But if you see all the parts of me that are messy and ordinary and inadequate, you will know immediately that I am no longer deserving of love. So because intimacy requires the entirety of myself to be seen Historically, I've run away from it. <laughs> I, I let people in to a certain point, far enough where the other person feels like, oh, I'm getting to know her, but not far enough that it triggers my fear of you seeing my not enoughness. Because once I start to feel like you're getting too close, I disappear. While I really do want to be known at that level, I'm also deeply terrified of being known at that level. I used to say um, to people years ago that I'm shinier from a distance because I really did believe that, that the closer you got to me, the more ordinary I became. And I think I still believe that because here's the thing. If I zoomed out and looked at myself through the lens of how other people see me and the words that others have used to describe me in the past, it can be very shiny. And what that used to do to me in the past, and this still happens, it's just not as frequently. What it used to do to me was it would introduce this 
level of pressure of like, oh, if this is how you see me and if this is the shiny version of me you hold and you're proud to know and be seen with this version, then that's the version of myself I need to keep up. I need to maintain this version of myself that brought you to me. So then I put all my energy towards maintaining that version while becoming more and more distant from the rest of myself. But anyway, I still believe that the closer you get to me, the more ordinary I become. And I think that's true of my own experience with myself, that the more I've gotten to know myself in my entirety, not just the stories I want to believe about myself, but the more I've practiced being with and loving and accepting who I am as I am, what I've discovered is that I'm pretty ordinary and I'm pretty incredible. It's not either or. It's both things. And realizing that has helped me, it's helped to relax my fear because I'm practicing accepting and loving myself as the ordinary person that I am. And interestingly, I found that being able to celebrate and love and accept the parts of myself that are ordinary actually helps me celebrate and love and accept the parts of me that are extraordinary, not as a means to an end, not extraordinary because it's what earns me acceptance or love, just an offering of love for my extraordinariness in the same amount that I offer my ordinariness. Now, even though I still think I'm shinier from a distance and more ordinary up close, what has changed for me is the story around what being ordinary means. Because before, that story meant that if you see me as ordinary, I'm no longer deserving of love. I have to be extraordinary. I have to offer something that's unique. I have to give you something that you're not getting from anyone else. Otherwise, why would I have any value to you? You're going to throw me out. You're going to discard me, right? So I can't be ordinary. Otherwise, you will not think of me as valuable and you will not love me. But the more I work with that story, the more... I'm able to say, what else could be true? If this story isn't always true, what else could be true? The more I do that, the more I realize that I can be ordinary as hell and still so loved. I can be ordinary and love myself. It took me a while. It took me a long time. (laughs) But I've come to love my ordinariness, my basicness. In the moments when I'm not trying to perform, in the moments where Nothing is happening. Nothing spectacular or unique is going on. It's just me being basic and boring. (laughs) But I feel so lovable in those moments. And being with that part of me helps me to not be so scared of people getting close because I have gotten close to my ordinariness, to my inadequacies, to my boringness. What the singular story does or the armor in nine different ways, is that it serves the function of distancing us from our full selves. We all have our story, whatever it is, that we think we have to be in order to be okay. And so then we have the parts of ourselves that we believe we have to destroy and avoid in order to maintain that story. 
And so when we loosen that tight grip of the story, we, we get to come back to the parts of ourselves that we've avoided for so long and that we've tried to deaden and kill in order to keep up the story. For me, the more I become friends with those parts of myself, the easier it becomes. And it's not easy, easy yet, right? I'm still working on it, always a work in progress, but it's become easier to allow people to get closer because I now know how to be with that fear. Um, The fear that says if they get too close and they see you not as sparkly and shiny up close, they're going to throw you out. I think for me, the fear will always come up. I think for all of us, actually, you know, The fear doesn't necessarily go away, but I've learned how to hold it now instead of immediately using it as my reason or excuse to run away from myself or to run away from love. Instead, I practice saying, okay, I'm noticing the fear. It's here, right? Can I allow it to be here without criticism, without judgment, without trying to make it go away? Can I notice it? Can I treat it with kindness? Can I say to it, it makes sense that you're here? There were so many relationships growing up where you didn't feel that your ordinariness was loved, that you did have to be extraordinary to have any value. So it makes sense that you're here. I see you. I honor your experience. And I'm going to remind you that your story is not always true. I'm going to leave some space for something else to be true. And even even just the like slowing down or the pausing to be with it and to sit with it allows my body to calm down. It allows that like fight, flight, freeze response to kind of soften a bit. And then from that space of calm or just more access to groundedness and awareness, I can then ask myself, what else could be true here? For example, is it actually true? Do I have evidence that every single person in my life who has gotten close to me has decided I wasn't deserving of love? I don't actually have that evidence. What I have evidence of is that when I let people in, they love me more. So I have to remind myself of that and help my body make that connection that says, look, when you choose to be vulnerable and let people see all of the inadequate, boring, ordinary parts of you, they don't turn and run away. People have left, to be, to be fair, people have left, but for a variety of reasons, not simply because I wasn't enough. So helping myself ground back into reality rather than just operating off of my story of fear, allows me to stay present and accept and receive care and love and intimacy, where normally I would just be like, bye. (laughs) Because I would rather have you have your story of me than have me. Because at least I have control over the story. I'm good with words, child. I'm a writer. So I have control over the story or over the narrative. So I would rather you have the story of me than have me because me is unpredictable. Me is not edited or filtered or perfectly structured with perfect syntax. Me is messy. Me is beautiful and a mess, both at the same time. 
But the story that I can create for you is stunning. It's perfect, even in its imperfection. I can mold and shape that imperfection into exactly the story I want it to be. So I would rather you have that story because it gives me control. This becomes a transaction. I know exactly what product to give you to make you a satisfied customer and a repeat customer. But if I give you me, (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen, right? It requires me to relinquish the control of trying to make sure you see me a certain way, which is actually what frees me up to then live. If I'm not so concerned with how you see me, with the story I need to be telling you, with the product I need to be selling you about who I am, then I'm actually free to be present and to live. And, you know, living sometimes requires me to confront the things I've been avoiding. So in order to keep avoiding, I hold on to the story. I perfect the story. As I was prepping for recording this season about intimacy, I kept coming back to this Rumi quote that says, your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. It's been, this quote has been a big part of my own growth work and my biggest internal barrier to love is this story that the closer you get to me, the more ordinary I become. And the more ordinary I become, the less lovable I am. I now know that that story isn't true always. Um, That story has been true in certain relationships. The story wasn't manufactured from nowhere, right? This is true for all nine types. It's not like we just decided to find these stories and use them for fun as if they didn't come from real experiences and real pain. So, There have been relationships in which that story has been true, but, and, (laughs) just because it's been true in a couple of places doesn't mean it's always true. That's what I keep, you know, working to learn. And the more I learn to release the story and to loosen my tight grip on that story, the more freedom and ease and intimacy and love I get to experience in reality. So (laughs) that's a little bit of what I'm bringing to these conversations this season. Thank you for listening to that, for holding space and listening to me get a little naked over the airwaves. (laughs) Um, I think that there's something just really beautiful and transformative about listening to each other's stories We discover new ways of seeing things. We realize that we're not alone in our experiences. We reconnect to that beautiful sameness that exists in all of us when we can show up with vulnerability and let ourselves be seen. So I hope that this season makes you consider your own armor with curiosity and compassion and also the armor of the people you love, you know, the ways that they armor up to survive. And I hope that these conversations encourage you to create some space between yourself and your armor so that you can access greater intimacy and greater freedom and greater ease. And also, I I hope that this becomes a place where you feel invited into being more human 
and supported as you show up as more human um, into connecting with your freest and truest self. I hope you learned something new about yourself and about how other people see the world. And hopefully we can all learn together how to embrace more ease in our interior worlds. Thank you so much for being here. I know that there are so many voices out there to tune into. So I appreciate you for taking the time out to listen to me and this podcast. And I can't wait for you to hear who I have on the show next week. She is brilliant. So don't play yourself and miss out. Also, since this is a brand new show, it would be so helpful to me if you would like and share and subscribe. It helps boost the ratings of the show and helps more people find us, which allows me to keep making the show. And if you would like to listen to full uncut episodes or watch the conversations in video format, you can access all of that by joining our Patreon. So for $5 a month, you also get bonus episodes, access to patron Q&A, and a hopefully growing community with other listeners like you. You can sign up at patreon.com slash from armor to ease podcast. That link will also be available in the show notes. All right, y'all let the journey begin.